Hi, and welcome to 5 Minutes with Phil. Paul wrote, A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. Are you ready for some contentiousness? I think we'll find it. A few years back, I had a conversation with someone who said, You can't believe anything that Paul says in the Bible. After all, he hated women. Well, um, I don't believe that at all. First, I don't believe that Paul hated women. And second, we misunderstand some of Paul's writings because we don't understand the context in which they were written. However, I'll admit it, sometimes it's just hard to reconcile. Some of that is here. So let's dive in. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. A text without a context is a pretext, and this is an all-time favorite. To understand the context, we have to go back many generations to when God talks about divorce, saying, if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house, did you catch the words? If she becomes displeasing to him, if he finds something indecent about her, how are those descriptions to be understood. Later on, Jesus clarifies things by limiting divorce to marital unfaithfulness, but many interpreted these words to include anything that the husband doesn't like. One of those things was to speak so loudly inside the house that someone on the outside could hear it. The accepted norm was for the wife to be quiet. As a follow-up to my comments on the previous passage, another sign of a prostitute was that she was verbally uncouth. She spoke in public, and everyone knew who she was and what she was offering. Being loud was a sign of, un of questionable morals. Finally, it was the custom that when men and women attended worship together, the men were on one side of the room and the women on another. At the temple in Jerusalem, there were actually different courts, one for Gentiles, so they could be no closer to the Holy of Holies. Jewish women could get closer to the court of the women, but they could not go beyond that. Then there was the court of the men, and then the priests, and then the Holy of Holies, where only the select on special occasions could venture. Separation was a fact of life. The story goes that when attending a church, a woman would hear something from the teacher that she didn't understand. Women did not have the same level of education as the men, so there was no point in asking the women around her what was meant, so she could stand up and holler at her husband on the other side of the room, I don't know what he's talking about. Tell me what he's talking about. Rather disruptive, right? Did it really happen? I don't know. So whether Paul's reinforcing a cultural norm, learning quietness, that's the right way to do it, or be quiet, you're being disruptive, learning quietness, I'm not sure. Probably some of both. And then there's the word so many hate, submissive. How easily can this be a trigger? So again, let's look at the biblical context, starting with Jesus. And we go to two passages. Philippians 2 describes what took place in heaven before Jesus became human. It speaks to the internal struggle which must have been in the mind of the Son of God when it says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus submitted to the will of God in leaving heaven. 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus submitted to the will of God in going to the cross. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that he was going to be crucified the next morning, Jesus prayed, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He did not want to go to the cross, even as he knew the result would be the salvation of many. But in the end, he submitted, there's that word, to the will of God. A prominent place where submission is the model can be found in Ephesians 5, where it's placed in a proper perspective. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Good. Wives, in your relationship with your husbands, let Jesus be your example. Jesus submitted to the Father, the church submits to Jesus, and you submit to your husband. Feeling better about this submission stuff? Let your husband always have the last word? Let him make whatever decision he wants. Let him do what he wants. Just a minute. Keep on reading. Husbands, love your wives. So far, so good. Husbands, have warm, protective feelings for your wives. Surely we can do that most of the time. Right, guys? But keep reading. Husbands, love your wives just as Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her. Oh, husbands, love your wives just as Jesus died for the church. Live a completely sacrificial life for her, as Jesus did for us, even to the point of death. And remember what Paul says before this passage? Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission, then, is an attitude of love toward everyone. It means always looking out for one another, for what is best for them, ahead of what is best for you. Can you imagine a world where everyone was looking out for one another? Sounds like heaven. By the way, I don't think these words just apply to women. Men need to learn in quietness and full submission as well. After the fall, men had to work harder and childbirth became more painful. These things have not been changed by the cross.